Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance, visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It is the NBA trade deadline at 3 Eastern, so my math is always tough when I do it live on the air, but I believe that means that we have nine hours. Did I do that right? Nine hours left to see whether anybody is going to make any moves at all in the NBA. I'm not a numbers guy, but that doesn't seem to add up. <laughs> I think I think that's right, right? It's 6 a.m., you add 6, and then you add 3. I believe we got 9 hours. I believe we've got 9 hours left in the NBA trade deadline. So we are going to be following that during the 3 hours of this show. Happy Thursday morning. I think it's Thursday. Happy Thursday. Everything runs together when you got kid three kids under uh, under 10. Uh, I think it's Thursday morning. And the NBA trade deadline has nine hours left. And we will talk about whether it makes sense to contemplate trading LeBron, whether there's anything the Cavs or any other team can do to attack the massive favorite Golden State Warriors and alter anything in the trajectory of what's going to happen this season. Because if nobody makes any moves, then the Warriors, barring substantial injury, are going to be your champs, and there won't be a lot of drama down the stretch. But the NBA so far seems steeped in drama more than anything else, and so we will keep a tabs on that and see whether or not potentially LeBron James or anybody else significant in terms of talent could be in the mix to be traded or have his team substantially altered in order to make a run at the Warriors. All of that still to come. Yesterday... National Signing Day, the completion of the college football season and effectively, and the recruiting classes are now done. As we turn and pivot our attention towards 2018, what did we learn? We will discuss that substantially. 
My guy, Doug Gottlieb, a lot of you probably listen to him on the afternoons. He will join us uh, to also talk about college basketball. I feel like as soon a lot of you are like me. As soon as the NFL ends and as soon as college football is effectively over, which to me is the signing day, then you start to pay attention to what is going to happen in college basketball. Because college basketball has become basically a six-week season from the moment football is over until the NCAA tournament uh, is complete. Well, we get, we're get into that six weeks right now. And obviously, uh, the NBA, the same way, uh, we're about 60% through the NBA season. And the trade deadline is always a big deal in terms of what might happen there. So we will discuss all of those things. But Doug Gottlieb will hop on with us in Hour 3. But I want to start today with an interesting question. Um, Do we overrate recruiting in college football? Because right now, I guarantee you that a lot of you listening to me were excited to pay attention to National Signing Day and all of the classes that were rolled up by all of the top programs in college football. And inevitably, when there is recruiting guy, and recruiting guy has become a big business, when you look at what rivals... Uh, my guy Shannon Terry sold rivals for over $100 million to Yahoo. When you look at what uh, the value is of his 24-7 property that he sold to CBS, like this is a business that there is a great deal of interest in. But the recruiting skeptic out there, and there's always a lot of recruiting skeptics out there, they will show up and they will argue, oh, J.J. Watt was a two-star Oh, there's more two and three stars in the Super Bowl than there are five stars. This is kind of a trend that will catch fire. And what I'm here to tell you is I have spent a lot of time looking at total classes over the past 22 years. And when I have done that, I have found consistently that the teams that recruit the most four and five star athletes win championships. And so I like to look at the overall composite rankings of teams based on what we saw happen in the totality of the class here. And now, by the way, there are two signing days now. So if you're like, man, I thought we already talked about signing day. There's an early signing period in December when about 80% of the top players sign. And then there's the one that happened yesterday when about 20% of the top players sign. So with that in mind, The Georgia Bulldogs, if you are a Georgia Bulldog fan, your team put together one of the best classes in the history of college football. You have the number one overall class, and here's the deal. For a long time, we've been asking the question, who is the next Nick Saban? And I know that's a heavy mantle, a heavy burden to put on somebody's shoulders. But I believe that Kirby Smart could be the next Nick Saban. If you look at what he has done at Georgia, it is eerily similar to what Nick Saban did at Alabama. Year one, you go seven and six. Year two, you go to the SEC title game. Nick Saban actually lost the SEC title game that year in year two to the Florida Gators. It was the last time Nick Saban's team was an underdog in a game. In year two, Kirby Smart already won the SEC, and he came within a hair of beating Nick Saban to win the national championship. I think that Kirby Smart, the way he is recruiting, is starting to out-Saban Nick Saban. I think it's possible that Kirby Smart is the heir apparent 
to Nick Saban and maybe, maybe able to pass him over the next couple of years. We will see. The Georgia Bulldogs, the number one over recruit, overall recruiting class, knocking Alabama out of the number one spot for the first time in seven years. Kirby Smart out Sabening Nick Saban. Number two overall, Ohio State. Urban Meyer obviously has that program rolling with the Buckeyes. Number three, the Texas Longhorns. If you are a Tom Herman supporter, this was a hell of a class that he put together. How about if you are on the West Coast and you are a Trojan, the best closing school consistently, and they did it yet again, USC surging all the way to number four overall in the recruiting class rankings. Penn State, James Franklin's highest rated recruiting class ever at number five. Clemson, the Tigers and Dabo Sweeney continue to just dominate in terms of their ability to bring in top players. Then the aforementioned Alabama, Mark Rick, has got the U back, baby. He's got them at number eight overall. Here's a here's an interesting team. Lincoln Riley is starting to recruit a lot better than Bob Stoops did. Bob Stoops recruited fairly well, but Lincoln Riley now has got two top 10 recruiting classes back-to-back. I know that Bob Stoops stepped down after last year's recruiting class, but this year another top 10. Brian Kelly doesn't get enough credit at Notre Dame for the quality of recruiting that he has done. He's number 10 overall. First-year coach Willie Taggart at 11. You start to run through a lot of these usual suspects. Gus Malzahn at 12. It's the best recruiting class Chris Peterson has had in a long time. Washington up to 13. Dan Mullen in Florida sliding in at 14. LSU, 15th recruiting class. That's the worst recruiting class for LSU. You want to talk about how good the recruiting has been at LSU. The LSU Bayou Bengals coming in at number 15 overall in the recruiting class rankings. It's the worst recruiting class ranking that LSU has had since 2002. Oregon Ducks, Mario Cristobal getting it done. Texas A&M surging with Jimbo Fisher. UCLA, Chip Kelly bringing in a pretty solid collection of talent in the 18 spot. South Carolina, 19. Tennessee, 20. Michigan. Michigan and Jim Harbaugh almost got caught by Scott Frost and Nebraska at 22. Michigan, not a good class. I continue to tell you that Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in college football right now. This class at Michigan falling all the way outside the top 20. That is the... um, 24-7 sports recruiting class rankings. Lots of stories and lots of individual recruiting successes inside that top-of-the-line list. But what I want to say on top of that is this. I have looked at this for the last 22 years. You guys know I am a big college football fan. And over the past 22 years, recruiting class rankings have mattered over and over and over again. What do I mean by that? Well, in the last 22 years... 21 of the national champions have had multiple top 10 recruiting classes before they won a championship. And six of the last seven national champs have been top 10 recruiting classes in four straight years. As a result, there are, if you follow those metrics and you are a college football fan and you're sitting around, you're like, who's going to win the championship next year? There are 12 teams that follow those metrics and are capable of winning a championship in 2018 now that the full recruiting class compliments are done, okay? To me, 
these teams are as follows. There are four teams returning next year. Sorry, three teams returning next year that have four consecutive top 10 recruiting classes. Only three. It's hard, by and large, to get a top 10 recruiting class every year. Alabama, who has three number one classes and they fell to number seven this year. Ohio State and Georgia. That's a pretty interesting stat out there. The three most talented teams in America next year are going to be Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Now, Georgia's pretty young with this number one recruiting class, so it may take a year or two for them to come into their full kind of flowering fruition. But those are the three most talented teams in America next year. Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Four teams have got, sorry, five teams have got three top 10 classes. That's Florida State, USC, Auburn, LSU, Clemson, and Texas. So if you are a fan of any of those schools, you've got three top 10 classes in the last four years. Those are the next level top teams. And then we have two teams, three teams that have got two top 10 classes, Michigan, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. So there are 12 teams overall that can win a national championship next year, and those are the 12. Again, I'll repeat them. Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Florida State, USC, Auburn, LSU, Clemson, Texas, Michigan, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. If the last 22 years of football is any indication, or the last seven years is any indication, then those 12 are your competitors. And frankly, if you only want to use the last seven years of football as your test cases, then only nine teams would be capable of winning a championship in terms of talent. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Florida State, USC, Auburn, LSU, Clemson, and Texas. Am I crazy for believing this much in recruiting class rankings? I don't think so. 877-996-6369 if any of you have any questions about this. Also, as we come back, I'm going to bring in the crew. I'll ask them a couple of questions about this, and I'm going to pivot. I'm going to ask you, is it time for the Cavs to go public with the fact that LeBron James, right now, this morning, that they're trying to trade LeBron James if he will not commit to re-upping with the Cavs? I think this would clear the Cavs from any blame whatsoever over trading LeBron James or over him being upset. I would make that public. I'll tell you why next here. I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? TaxSlayer was recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on. Whatever the heck you want this tax season, go out and slay it. Max your refund at TaxSlayer.com. We are maxing the show here. I'll kick the coverage. I'm Clay Travis. We are live Thursday morning, hanging out with you guys, talking about uh, college football national signing day as well as uh, the NBA trade trade deadline, which is now less than nine hours from uh, ending. Will there be any massive moves or not? Also, a couple of interesting college basketball games, I thought, last night. First of all, St. John's, who has been awful all year. They lost 11 games in a row, somehow rising up and beating Duke and then beating number one Villanova on the road, which kind of gives you an indication, I think, 
that the NCAA tournament is going to be as wild and wide open as we have seen in a long time. And Ohio State, who was picked like 11th in the Big Ten, went on the road and beat Purdue to claim number one in the Big Ten, the first place spot in the Big Ten right now. And uh, you look at, for instance, the SEC, it's wide open. It's an upside-down universe. Auburn, number one, and Tennessee, number two. I believe Florida's number three. The Kentucky Wildcats, who have been dominating the SEC for years, falling all the way down to like five, I think, right now in the overall uh, lineup of uh, college basketball. So if you are out there and you are paying attention to college basketball, starting to pay attention to it anyway, then that is a uh, intriguing uh, story to follow. But I want to bring in the crew. I know you follow it, Jason Martin, so I'm going to come to you next. But let me go to L.A. Do you guys in L.A., did you pay any attention at all to signing day? Because actually, UCLA and USC both had pretty doggone good signing days for their respective programs. Obviously, Chip Kelly now getting rolling. By the way, and uh, Clay Helton got an extension and closed incredibly well at SC. Did you guys pay attention to it at all in L.A.? Well, and I talked to Coop about this when we first got to work, so I'm sure he would agree with me. The thing that stood out to me was Jacob Copeland, the fifth-ranked wide receiver. Yes. His, his mom, mom. Yeah, so she's she's rocking Tennessee and Alabama gear, and then he announces Florida, and she freaks out and storms out. And our conversation was whether or not it was like a type of performance art. Was this real life? Because the look on his face was amazing. He looked so disappointed that he upset his mom so much, but really can't tell if she was playing it up or not. She came back and gave him a hug, but he said that it was kind of drama and that she likes to put on a show. And obviously he was announcing live on television his final three were Alabama, Tennessee, and Florida. And he went with the home state Florida Gators. I think he's from Pensacola. Uh, which is a uh, in the peninsula there, uh, uh, or sorry, in the panhandle of Florida, if you're not familiar with the geography. So he was close to Alabama, wasn't that far away from uh, from Knoxville. Do, do uh, you like, do you like how instead. the do you like how the four star kids do it as far as making their announcement? I think it makes for good drama. I mean, I I, I genuinely do uh, like. I mean, this year is different because we had two signing days. But I like that the college football in February after the Super Bowl, usually you suddenly get this opportunity to pay attention to football, just like I like the draft. Um, I I think it's cool. I think you got to be careful. Like uh, I think it was Quay Walker uh, was a top uh, linebacker who ended up going to Georgia like pretty much anybody else they wanted. But he like took the hat, the Tennessee hat, and he threw it. I think you got in some sometimes the way you do that because – that's something that can be used as motivation. You know, they play every year against Tennessee, and that that clip will probably be brought out uh, for years to use against them. So, and also, I think it's a little bit disrespectful um, if you don't do it in kind of a fun way that somebody's been trying to recruit you for months or even years, and then you just kind of say, "Oh, their school sucks." You know, like the pump fake and everything else. But um, the other thing I think is challenging is uh, I always you, you always talk to coaches, and they say. You got to recruit them, and then you got to unrecruit them. Because in order to get them to come to your school, you got to convince them that they're the greatest player of all time. And the entire concept of grown men calling sixteen and seventeen-year-old boys and being like, "Hey, why don't you come to my school? Hey, come up for a visit," and everything else that you have to do to get top players in. But you talk to coaches, and there's the recruiting process, 
and then there's the unrecruiting where you basically have to tear them back down to size because these guys get so blown up during the recruiting process because everybody cares about every little iota. I said yesterday on the show, I confess that you know I have a lot of sympathy for these guys because I, I made a decision and then tried to go back on it myself when I was going to college, and nobody was paying attention to what I was doing. You know, I'm, I'm 17, just turned 18, and I had a scholarship to, uh, to George Washington University in D.C., and I took that scholarship, and I went to uh, – and I, and I signed the papers to go to GW, and then I went back in time, and I was like, man, I wish I had gone to the University of Virginia. And so I tried to renege on my uh, – renege, which, uh, am I mispronouncing that word? It's always a tough word to, to say. I, I tried to take it back and go to uh, – I tried to take it back and go to University of Virginia – but it was too late. I'd already signed the paperwork. So I have a lot of sympathy for the pressure that these guys are under and also over how difficult it is to say no. When you're a young guy, and I think even as you get older, it's hard to say no because you, a lot of people like me, you're preconditioned to be pleasers. And so if somebody asks you to do something, your default is yes. And I think it's hard to say no when all these guys and all these assistant coaches and they come after you and they're texting you and they're calling you all the time making a decision about who you're going to be with is I think a, uh, a a real challenge. But so you guys did you pay like I I had it on in the background during the day to see uh, a couple of guys to see what decisions they were going to make, but it's not like I spent my entire day built around it. I mean, I was working, but I had the television on in the background. Yeah, no being a bigger fan of the NFL, uh, you know, I pay close attention to the mock drafts leading up to the real NFL draft and then of course uh, uh, watch every minute of the NFL draft. So I'm a nerd when it comes to, you know, the college athletes entering the NFL, but not so much the high school kids entering college. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's so important if you're trying to contend for a championship. I don't look at individual athletes and try to say, oh, this person's going to be incredible because it's hard to know coming out of college. Sorry, coming out of high school. It's hard enough to know coming out of college to go to the NFL who's going to be good. But coming out of high school, it's even more difficult because the overall competition is not that high. But again, the numbers that I ran through statistically, you need top 10 classes to win championships. And everybody out there who doesn't believe that's true, you're just wrong. You do need top 10 champion uh, classes to win championships. The only team without top 10 classes to win a championship in the last 22 years was Oklahoma in the year 2000. And I think that's pretty instructive of how good you actually have to be. Jason Martin, did you sit around and watch this? Uh, did you pay a lot of attention to signing day? Did I sit around and watch it? No. Did I pay attention to what was going on? Sure. I paid attention to the Copeland saga and, you know, the mom getting up and walking off. She did come back and hug him afterwards. So at least it wasn't, it had a semi happy ending. A lot of people didn't see the second part of the video after he finished speaking. But what was I paying attention to? It's college football. I was paying attention to Alabama and the fact that all of a sudden, Alabama isn't just getting everybody that they want. It's not just Georgia either. If you look at, Barton Simmons piece that was republished at CBSSports.com. Not only did they lose out on some key players to Georgia, they also lost to Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M on somebody they wanted. They lost to Florida on Copeland. They lost to Clemson on Justin Ross, who decided to stay in state. They also lost to Urban Meyer, and they lost to Oregon on a guy that they wanted. All of a sudden, some recruiting area schools have, have finally caught up with Alabama a little bit. When I talked to Barton yesterday, 
I asked him what was the upward mobility for the Crimson Tide going to be because they were at sixth in the 24-7 composite rankings, but if they had a good day, where could they end up? He said he didn't think they could get to the top, but thought they could get to three. Well, they finished at six, so they didn't actually raise up at all yesterday, so that certainly stood out, and certainly the other thing is They actually Michigan. finished, by the way, at seven. Oh, they so, did? Okay. Yeah, in the composite. I mean, everybody's got different rankings, but one yeah, I like six to or seven. use. seven, okay. Yeah, what I like to use is the composite because it combines all the different rankings. So if you're out there and you're saying, oh, so-and-so's biased in favor of what, but this is the lowest class that Alabama has ever had, full-year class under Nick Saban. And that's why yeah. I said, I mean, is it possible that Kirby Smart is coming in and starting to take over in the state uh, of, you know, like I, I've said this for a long time. People didn't believe me. The state of Georgia... I think, is maybe the best state to recruit college football in in the entire country. And people say, oh, what about Florida? What about California? What about Texas? Look at the competition in those states. At Georgia right now, you've got Georgia Tech, which has got a triple option offense that Paul Johnson is running. That's not the same type of guys that Georgia is going to be recruiting, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Other than that, there is no major program in the state of Georgia otherwise. Florida produces scads of athletes, but you've got so many good programs in the state of Florida right now. Just think about it. You've got Lane Kiffin down at FIU, you or FAU. You got Butch uh, Davis at FIU. You've got Central Florida, which just went undefeated and got Scott Frost rolling, and now they've got what I think is going to be a pretty good coach that they brought in from Missouri, the offensive coordinator there. Um, I think that you've got a really good recruiting Charlie Strong at South Florida. you got Willie Taggart, who's going to kill it in recruiting, I think, at Florida State. And you've got Dan Mullen. All of those jobs all in the same area, plus Miami with Mark Rick. So you got seven major college football programs that all believe they should have or be able to put together a top 25 program. Then you go to, let's say, Alabama. You've got Auburn going head-to-head you know, head head with Alabama so much on everything, plus the state of Alabama not producing the overall amount of talent. Texas, we know how many great programs there are, are in Texas. Obviously Texas, obviously A&M, and then you roll through you know, the Baylors, the Texas Techs, the TCUs, all, all of the different programs that exist in Texas. Same thing in California. You got SC, you got UCLA, you got Cal, you got all those programs that are close to Southern California, relatively speaking, the Arizonas and the Arizona states. I'm telling you, Georgia is the best state to recruit in in the entire nation. I think it's more of a fertile region than Alabama is, better even than Louisiana, all these different places. I think Kirby Smart if is going to create a Nick Saban-like dynasty based on what we're seeing so far of what he's doing. Now, some of you may say I'm crazy. You may say it's too early to make this prediction. I think there's enough evidence. Year two, win the SEC and nearly win the national championship by beating Nick Saban. Honestly, that's a game that Georgia should have won. Year two recruiting class. One of the best recruiting classes ever put together in the history of college football and 2019 is stacked even better, potentially, for Georgia. I just think Georgia's going to have the best players. Jason, you're an Alabama fan. Is that crazy? No. Honestly, it's really not. The Georgia thing is scary for anybody in the SEC and anybody nationwide because 
Kirby Smart has this thing right now where, you know, you saw Doug Peterson and how he allowed Nick Foles to run Philly Philly, that that was Nick Foles' decision and that basically he empowered his players to do that. But he has a positivity that surrounds him in the way that he coaches and an aggressiveness. And although we saw that kind of go by the wayside as Kirby Smart got into the throws against Alabama late in the championship game, he seems to have that as well. He's got a little bit of Dabo in him. There's a little bit of positivity coming out of some of these younger head coaches that are now starting to turn what they've done on the field and what you see from them in press conferences and start landing guys in recruiting. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all to say that Georgia might be on the verge of a dynasty, especially in an SEC East that's still very much we don't know what else is there. We expect Dan Mullen to do well at Florida. We don't know what we're going to see from Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee yet. There's still a whole lot of question marks, and then there's Georgia, and there's no reason to believe that they're not going to be in the national conversation in the college football playoff perennially, not every once in a while, but perennially over the next decade, decade and a half. I, a lot of people say, oh, Nick Saban recruits really well, but I think what Nick Saban has recognized with recruiting is he has complete faith in his coaching ability. And he feels like you are not going to out-coach him or outwork him in terms of getting the most out of his players. And if that is true, then it's almost impossible to beat Nick Saban if he doesn't if he has better players than you do. Right? I mean, you're not going to out-scheme him. You're not going to beat him very very easily that way. And I think Kirby Smart has that same kind of confidence about him. I think he believes, look, if I can go out and get the best players and bring him into Georgia, which is a great place to go to school. Athens, Georgia, if you have never been there, is a phenomenal place to go to school. It's a great place to go watch a football game. And if he can bring those players in, people are not going to out-coach him. And I think there's probably some truth to that. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Kirby Smart gets the number one recruiting class in America and dominates all over the Southeast, and Nick Saban suddenly has his worst class in in his tenure at Alabama. There would be a lot more people talking about this if Alabama hadn't won that game in overtime. They'd be saying, man, maybe finally somebody has passed Alabama in the SEC. Georgia is awfully, awful, awfully close to doing it. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's trending in the world of sports. All right, Clay, let's start in the NBA where we had the Cavaliers getting a much-needed win over the Timberwolves, 140-138 to 138 in overtime. LeBron James hitting the buzzer beater to win it. He had 37 points, 10 rebounds, 15 assists for Cleveland Rockets over the Heat, 109-101. James Harden, 41 points for Houston. Spurs crushed the Suns in Phoenix, 129-81. And the Pistons down the Nets, 115-106. Detroit's now 4-0 with Blake Griffin in the lineup. College basketball, we had St. John's knocking off number one Villanova on the road, 79-75. The Red Storm get their first win in conference play. They're now 1-11 in Big East play, the one win over number one Villanova. Number 14, Ohio State wins at number three, number three Purdue, 64-63. Purdue's 19-game winning streak, the longest in the nation, comes to an end. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts, after being spurned by Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, have requested to interview Eagles offensive coordinator Frank Reich and Saints assistant head coach Dan Campbell for their head coaching vacancy. Good stuff. I don't know if this was in the update because I was trying to check Twitter to make sure no trades had taken place because uh, it is uh, NBA trade deadline. But Auburn also lost at home to Texas A&M. Texas A&M has been a very questionably performing basketball team, even though they're very talented. 
uh, this season, but they went on the road and beat number one, uh, number eight Auburn, the number one team in the SEC so far, by one point. Uh, so that just adds to the great, the zaniness of the college basketball landscape. I'll mention this, by the way. We are going to be, or I am, out in uh, Las Vegas for the first round of the NCAA tournament, getting out there Wednesday, doing Thursday and Friday. We're going to do a meetup of sorts for OutKick. So if you are a uh, OutKick fan and you are going to be in Las Vegas, or if you're listening to us right now in Las Vegas and you live in, Out- uh, in, in Vegas and you're up early, uh, for the NCAA tournament, we'll do some sort of event out there. It obviously is one of the most fun things you can do in the world of sports is go gamble during the start of the NCAA tournament, the opening weekend. So uh, I will be out there, and uh, we should have a a pretty fun event going on. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. You know what we're going to do? Let's go ahead and take a break here. I'm going to tell you coming back, final segment of hour one. I am going to tell you what I would do if I were the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers this morning. And I think it's going to stun a bunch of you, but I think it's the right play. And uh, we will discuss, then we'll take your calls, 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. NBA trade deadline now approaching eight hours away. Still nothing in terms of news. We'll see whether anything substantial happens. If it does not happen, then the NBA season is a foregone conclusion and the Golden State Warriors are going to be the champions. If it does happen, then potentially there could be some intriguing moves in the uh, in the in the furtherance of the rest of the season. But regardless of what happens, I was maybe the first person with a national platform who said last year that the Cavs should explore trading LeBron James instead of trading Kyrie Irving. A lot of people said I was crazy. I made that argument because I said you got to step back and look at this from a business perspective. Ultimately, the Cleveland Cavaliers are a business. And Kyrie Irving, I believe, has got, I think he still has two years left on his contract, even after this year. So you could build a team around Kyrie Irving and feel like you were good enough to make the playoffs for several years ahead. That wasn't a ridiculous proposition. It wasn't a dangerous statement to make. Whereas with LeBron James, the fact that he was turning 33, and I know how well he played last night, and I know he hit the winning shot last night against the Timberwolves. But even with all of that going on, There is something called father time. And there is a reason in basketball that typically a supremely talented guy like LeBron James is going to get worse as he ages. Eventually, that's going to happen. Next year, he will turn 34, as good as Kobe Bryant was. We saw Kobe basically go off the edge of the cliff. And you can say, okay, well, what about Roger Federer? What about Tom Brady? Aren't athletes extending their life cycle a little bit? I would say yes, But LeBron's already done that. And we have never seen a guy at the age of 35 be the best player in the NBA. I don't think so. Unless it was Michael Jordan maybe on the tail end of his career. Maybe. Usually guys who extend their career and play a long time tend to be one of two things. Big men, because for whatever reason, big men, it's not so much the raw athleticism, or they're shooters. 
because shooting doesn't necessarily leave you. So you can have a guy like Ray Allen be the best shooter in the league as he approaches 40 years old. LeBron James owes much of his success to his physicality, to the fact that he is an overwhelming force on the basketball court. I think what needs to happen, I said last year they should explore trading him. Now, stop tweeting me, no trade clause guy. I know LeBron James has a no trade clause. Here's what I would do as a result if I were Dan Gilbert. I would have already probably done this, but I might do it this morning otherwise to get the phones ringing. I would say, look, we will sign you LeBron James to a multi-year extension at a max contract and allow you to finish your career playing with us here in Cleveland. We will do that. I will pay you as much or more money than anybody. And by the way, Dan Gilbert is losing money with this current Cavs roster with what he's paying in luxury tax for this team. I think it's fair to say that this team, as constituted right now, has virtually no chance of winning an NBA title. Right now, they are closer to not making the playoffs than they are to being the number one or number two overall seed. This is a bad Cleveland Cavaliers team when it comes to contending for a championship. I think what's going to happen is LeBron James is going to walk out on Cleveland at the end of this year, just like he walked out on Cleveland the first time. Now, because he won Game 7 and won Cleveland a championship, I think people will forgive him and they'll say, okay, LeBron, go with God, finish your career as you see fit because you brought a championship back to Cleveland. If he had lost Game 7 and he did this, everything we're talking about LeBron James would be totally different. Him winning that Game 7 changes it changed his career forever because otherwise he's just won two titles in Miami and he's come back to Cleveland and everybody would say what he tried to do was be a failure and here's something else I would say about LeBron James one of the reasons why I will never say LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan is because everything that LeBron James does is freighted with drama this guy loves drama more maybe than any athlete of all time Do you remember drama very often from the Chicago Bulls back in the day with Michael Jordan? Everything LeBron James does is so dramatic. He's got to go on Instagram and send some crazy message. He's got to go and and, and he's not hugging hugging his teammates, Isaiah Thomas, after he makes this shot. He's bumping his coaches. LeBron James is the quintessential millennial on this planet. Everything is about LeBron James. Everybody's got to know how LeBron James is feeling every single minute of every single day. Oh, LeBron has to go on Instagram. Oh, LeBron not going on social media is a big story. Oh, maybe LeBron will consider going to Golden State if Golden State is interested in LeBron. I mean, it's just so much story and so much drama. I don't remember an athlete ever ever having this much drama associated with him at some point you just have to say look LeBron James likes the attention he wants the reality show absurdity to follow him everywhere here's what I would do if I were Dan Gilbert I would come out this morning and I would say we will sign LeBron James and we will have him play for the rest of his career here if he goes off the deep end like Kobe Bryant we'll have a prolonged goodbye tour for him even if that sets back the franchise a couple of years, because he's from Akron, because he brought a championship to Cleveland, because we love everything about what LeBron James has meant to our city and to this region of Ohio. We will sign him to a multi-year contract extension. But 
we need LeBron James to commit to us now. Otherwise, I want every team in the NBA that is interested in LeBron James to call me and make an offer for a trade. And I think it's in the best interest of this franchise to trade LeBron James. I don't think it's wrong to go with an ultimatum here. Call him up. Let it be public. Let everybody make their offers for LeBron James. I think LeBron is lying when he says he doesn't want to leave Cleveland, that he's here till the end, as he said in a post game the other day. And by the end, he means two months. I think LeBron is going to leave Cleveland for somebody else at the end of this season. And so if you're Cleveland and you're the Cavs and you know you can't win a championship this year, and I think it's fair to say the Cavs are not going to win a championship this year. It's a dysfunctional franchise. I think LeBron's drama has overtaken everything. They're going to be the three or the four seed probably in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're even going to go to the uh, to the NBA Finals. I'm not sure they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. As a result, you need to explore trading LeBron James today in the next eight hours before the trade line expi- trade deadline expires. And if LeBron James won't ra- waive his no trade clause, that's fine. But I think you need to put this onus on him. I think ultimately LeBron James is about championships. And I think if a team were able to trade for him that made it more likely that he would win a championship, that LeBron James would go. So the NBA trade deadline is eight hours away. There is a lot of drama out there around the Cavs and around LeBron James, as there always is. But I think the big question is this. Will anybody actually make an aggressive play to try to change the trajectory of the NBA season, or will they sit on it? Am I crazy with that opinion? We'll go to the crew. We'll ask them when we come back in hour two. You guys can also weigh in. 877-996-6369. Am I crazy for saying that for Dan Gilbert? Also, if you are a Cavs fan or you are from Ohio, would you hold that against the Cavs and their ownership if they said that? Because some people are saying, oh, you could never say that about LeBron. I disagree. I think Cavs fans are smart. They've been left behind once before, and I think they really believe LeBron will leave again. Shouldn't you get some value for the best player of his generation in LeBron James before he walks out of the land all over again? 877-996-6369. Hour one in the books. We move into hour two. I am Clay Travis. Thanks for hanging with us on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, second hour, Thursday edition, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Some of you may think that I am crazy, but it is now eight hours until the NBA trade deadline. My question, a simple one. Will anyone make any substantial moves, potentially while we're on the air this morning discussing the fact that the NBA trade deadline is just eight hours away? My potentially radical, potentially insane, potentially crazy suggestion is that if I were the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers right now, if I were Dan Gilbert, I would go public in some way. Could be talking to Woj, could be talking to some other NBA insider. Doesn't have to be me having a press conference that LeBron James is on the market. Because I think that at this point in time, the odds of LeBron James re-upping with Cleveland is are low. Moreover, let's be honest. If LeBron James re-ups with Cleveland, are the Cavs really in the mix to win a championship with LeBron James? I don't really think they are in the years ahead. I think LeBron James would be playing out the thread on his career. I think he wants to go somewhere where he can win a championship. And so I'm not worried at this point in time about antagonizing LeBron James. 
Uh, we've seen him walk off the court and not give his best in Cleveland before like he did in the Boston Celtics series when he ripped his jersey off and then left town and went to Miami. He's done it twice before. He's left the franchise that he was with with absolutely nothing in exchange for him. He did it the first time with Cleveland. He did it the second time with the Miami Heat. And I think he's going to do it a third time with Cleveland once more. And I think that'll be the last time he can do it because I think his career won't have much left with it after that. And that's why I think for those people out there that are not LeBron guys, if you've never bought into LeBron, it's because of all the drama. LeBron James is the quintessential millennial athlete. He's got to have you know how he feels all the time. And I think people who are my age and people who are older than me and even a lot of millennials who are listening to this show, they're like, dude, I don't care how you feel. Just go play basketball. You make hundreds of millions of dollars a year to play basketball. I don't need to see your Instagram posts about how your heart feels right now. Deal with it. Go play ball. Like, can you imagine Michael Jordan getting on Instagram and being like, oh, you know, like all the little whiny things that LeBron James does on a regular basis to get attention? That's why I'm a Jordan guy. I liked watching Jordan on the court because the guy's a stone-cold assassin and because he's not going to get on a social media account and whine about the way that he feels. I'm not an emotion guy, right? I'm a facts guy. I don't want to sit around and have to deal with somebody who's an emotional baby and has to be constantly coddled. That's not my show. There are other shows like that. You can go listen to those shows. A lot of them have to do with ESPN. They're emotional babies. I'm a reality. I'm a facts guy. So, is that a crazy idea? 877-996-6369. I started saying this last year, way before anybody else, that LeBron James was not going to come back to Cleveland and that instead of trying to trade Kyrie Irving, what the Cavs should have done was kept Kyrie Irving, kept Kevin Love, get this trade for draft picks, everything else, start to rebuild around those guys, and you can still have a really good team. Now, when LeBron leaves, the Cavs are going to suck. And you better hope you can go get a draft pick that's really good, but you certainly don't want to mortgage any more of the future towards LeBron James. Is that a crazy idea? Last year, a lot of people thought it was. You're like, oh, you can't trade LeBron James. That's insanity. Now, I think there's a lot of people who said, man, if you could have gotten LeBron to leave last year, it would have helped Cleveland in the long run. And I think there are certainly a lot of people, both Cleveland fans and others, who would say, now is the time to try to get something for LeBron James if you can. Uh, Whether or not that's possible, I don't know, but I would go public if I were Dan Gilbert at this point in time, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and let it be known that LeBron James is on the market. LeBron James might not like it. LeBron James might not be willing to resign with me next year uh, at the end of this year for years ahead. So what? Let him leave. Uh, crazy idea or genius, Jason Martin? Here's a quote. The big lesson was if a player is not willing to extend, no matter who they are, no matter where they are playing, no matter what kind of season you had, you cannot risk going into a summer and having them leave an unrestricted free agency and get nothing back for it. That is a quote from Dan Gilbert to cleveland.com in 2012 he adds quote <laughs> it's not the player's fault that's a great that's research. On ownership yeah so that is certainly backing up your point when james left for miami eight years ago the Cavs were able to do a sign and trade uh got some draft picks got some pick swaps but then we're stuck in the lottery for four straight years in virtually every circumstance since lebron left this is according to ken berger of bleacher report 
in virtually every circumstance since LeBron's first departure from Cleveland, in which a team faced a superstar's looming free agency without a long-term commitment from the player, the star has been traded. Mello in Denver, Dwight Howard in Orlando, Chris Paul in New Orleans. The lone exception was Kevin Durant, and we saw how that went for Oklahoma City. And by the way, everybody said that Oklahoma City were idiots for allowing that to happen, right? I mean, everybody just ripped Oklahoma City head-to-toe for letting Kevin Durant leave without any compensation at all. Right. The lone exception outside of that, Kobe Bryant had a no-trade clause but was still almost dealt when there was rumors that he wanted out of L.A. back in 2007. Now, somebody close to LeBron says he does not, this is a quote, doesn't want to end his run with the Cavs being traded to whatever team under these circumstances. That's not what he wants to do. I think you have to take into consideration the bigger picture of who LeBron is and his relationship with that team and that city. He's not Carmelo, he's not Kobe, and he's not ready to give up, unquote. I, I'm coming closer to your side. I don't think... Because last year would you happen. thought I was crazy. Yeah, and I, you know, I still think that it would be hard to sell to Cleveland fans, but not as hard as I used to. Because I think at some point, and this is something that I read in another source, it appears... Dan Gilbert is tired of LeBron only committing to him for a year Yeah, each time. He gets tired of trying to rebuild for LeBron, tired of going out and trying to find somebody in free agency to put around LeBron when LeBron won't stay there long-term or won't commit to staying there long-term. And it's just gotten – and let's let's not sugarcoat the fact that neither one of those two guys likes each other, dating back to the first time he left Cleveland. that They have no relationship, according to multiple reports right now, so it does not seem particularly good. If LeBron gets bounced, does not make it to the NBA Finals, and if you have this Brooklyn unprotected pick in a strong draft uh, and you don't want to get rid of that to leverage it, you need to keep that around in case LeBron's going to leave. And at this point, I think LeBron is gone. And that's another thing that I did not think I would say, and it's something nine months ago that I absolutely would not have said. But Isaiah Thomas... That was a terrible deal. It has not worked out. Kevin Love, same deal there. There's just They don't have a championship roster. There are many scouts now that say, look, they are old as a team. They cannot run with the younger teams in the NBA. So you've got to do something. So again, I'm going to read this quote again because it's Dan Gilbert back in 2012. The big lesson was, if a player is not willing to extend, no matter who they are, no matter where they're playing, no matter what kind of season you had, you cannot risk going into a summer and having them leave an unrestricted free agency and get nothing back for it. It's not the player's fault. That's on ownership, unquote. Honestly, I kind of agree with you. Yesterday, I don't think I agreed with you, but today, at least coming out publicly and saying that as a cover-your-butt situation for the for Cleveland, I, I kind of agree, at least in theory. It pains you to say that, doesn't it? It always pains me to say that I agree with you, but I think that there's some logic behind what you're saying. I don't think that it would happen. I don't think he would wave. Yeah, I don't think he would go. I think it would become a but huge mess because he's a drama totally. queen. He's he's a drama he's a drama queen. That's what LeBron is. But to me, that takes the responsibility off the team, and it puts it on him because you're saying, "Look, this team will commit to you for the rest of your career and pay you hundreds of millions of dollars." But if you're not willing to tell us right now, and by the way, why would LeBron not know whether or not he wants to sign with Cleveland again right now? I, I don't understand that. I mean, 
you know, if, if if it's not as if he doesn't know exactly how much money he's going to make. It's not as if he can't look around and see what the team is going to look like. I don't understand. Like, this is not a difficult situation. Let's go to L.A. By the way, phone number 877-996-6369. You guys heard me on this show last year arguing <laughs> they're making the wrong decision trading Kyrie Irving. I like his future and his uh, trajectory where it's still going up more than I like LeBron's, where at best it's leveled out and over the next few years it's going to be going down. I like a future of a team built around Kyrie more than I like a future of a team built around LeBron because the argument that I was making is you have to look towards the future. You can't make decisions for the future based on the moment, right? That's what dumb people do. Dumb people make decisions based on what's going on right now. Smart people look towards the future and make decisions on what's coming. As an owner, you have to be the guy betting on the future, not worried about the present. Are you with me that that would be a smart move from Dan Gilbert? It, it would be a smart move if he could, you know, take himself out from the outside and look in. In other words, what I'm saying is, do they really feel like their season is dead the way you do? Because this time last season, you had the Cavs not even making the second round of the playoffs. And as we know, they went to the NBA Finals. But they didn't have a chance to win the championship. But, like do, you, this, but this do, they, idea. do they think that, though? Because but they're in they're the not, East. They're, they're still... But even if you go to... The, see, that's the thing. I don't think it's an accomplishment to win a crappy league and get your ass I'm, kicked I'm in the with, I'm with you on that, but at least LeBron is in control of this team right now. He's the default general manager. He's the coach on the floor. Yeah, they have a lot of tweaking to do to get to where they want to be. But what's better, being in control of this situation right now or going to an X factor, an unknown? See, I, but I don't think it's an unknown. I mean, I think that every, if you know, here's what you know. We are not going to win the NBA title unless like the Cleveland, unless the Golden State Warriors come off a pick play and like three of their guys collide simultaneously and all tear but where their ACLs. Where is he going to go besides the Warriors to where he can, you know, Houston oh, would be it, right? I don't, I don't care. If I, I, I will trade him for anything that I think makes my team better because but otherwise, he has to sign off on it though. Yeah, right. But I, I don't care. I mean, it, well, yeah. I mean, again, but what do you mean you don't care? He needs to. He needs he to isn't sign off. He is going to sign it. off on yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. I don't think if any he doesn't, of us okay. That. So if he doesn't sign off on it, what you have done is shifted the blame for LeBron not staying with Cleveland from yourself to him. You're saying, look, I'm not leaving Cleveland. I own this team. I'm here for the long haul. If LeBron James wants to finish his career here, we are prepared to sign him to a long-term extension. If he is not going to do that, I have entered into negotiations to find a new destination for him. And by the way, it's a two-month destination for LeBron. It's not like it alters in any way his career. It's not like you're forcing him to go to a new team and he's not getting to pick his team in two months anyway. I think that this is like if you're making the trade for LeBron, what you would be rolling the dice on is, hey, we can find out a way to sign him and make sure that we have him uh, for the future. But either way, LeBron is still going to make his decision about whether or not he wants to go somewhere else. It's a roll of the dice for another team to think, hey, maybe if we get LeBron in here, we can convince him to stay and sign up for a max contract with us. This takes the onus off of the Cavs. The Cavs can't trade him without him agreeing to it. But the Cavs can certainly say, hey, we're open to the idea of trading him. And I think Cavs fans are smart enough to understand that this team is not going to win a championship 
and that it's a smart play. I don't fully disagree with there. I do think that once you do that, you are accepting the fact he is definitely gone because there is no possibility that this guy is going to come back to Cleveland if Cleveland comes out and says that he's on the trading block. So you that's just fine. have to accept that. But I mean, I don't, you, he's you not coming that back. Fine. Again, that's where you have to be an owner and actually say, okay, he's not coming back. LeBron James is not going to return to Cleveland unless he's just okay with never winning another championship and he wants to have a slow roll decline of his career like Kobe Bryant did. And then you have a final year where he goes around and like everybody gives him awards and everybody like, and maybe that's what LeBron wants. I mean, because LeBron uh, is ultimately a drama queen who wants to be loved. And maybe that's where he finally can bathe in the adulation that he has craved throughout his entire career. Everybody being like, oh, you're such a good guy, LeBron. We're going to miss you so much. Uh, Here's an award from every team in the NBA as you play your last game here. I don't know. But to me, LeBron is not going to come back to Cleveland. And if you're the owner, what good does it do? Like, what are you going to do at the end of the season to convince LeBron James to come back that he doesn't already know? It's such a stupid thing. Like, he's going to go have meetings with a bunch of different NBA teams so they can tell him how much they like him and how much they want to come play, come, want him to come play for them. What are you going to say in wants. Cleveland? Yeah, that's what I he mean, wants. I mean, that's what he wants. He, he wants this one final dance where he goes out with seven or eight different women even if he already knows like which one he wants to end up with. But it makes sense for the teams that want him, too, because why would you gut your roster right now when you could just wait and sign him as a free agent without touching any of your young nucleus? Because yeah, most, of the I, time, I agree there. most of the time, in order to sign him, most teams are going to have to recalibrate their roster to be able to sign him to a max contract, which, by the way, is one of the big questions I have. Why does LeBron James need a max contract other than for ego? This is a guy who's going to end up or should end up a billionaire. Why does he need, like if you right now were, if I were advising LeBron James, I would say, dude, why do you need to make $35 million, make $20 million, and go to a better team and give your team a chance to win a championship with the $15 million that they're saving on you? You don't have to sign a max contract. Why does a max contract matter to him? If you are a guy like LeBron and you have invested your money smartly, and you have all these interests in the world of entertainment and beyond, why would you not take less money, have a better chance to win a championship? But that's a that's a discussion for when LeBron is a free agent this summer and we spend two months talking about where is LeBron James going to go. But my argument is like already people are like, oh, we got to clear all this cap space to be able to sign him to a max contract. Why does LeBron need a max contract? I understand if you're a mediocre player and you have to fight hard to get every dollar that you're owed and you think you may only get one max contract, make as much money as you possibly can, right? But in my career, I have never taken the most money that I could possibly make at any job. I haven't. I mean, you can go look. I mean, all the offers that I've gotten, I have turned down money because I think that, you know, from a perspective of making decisions, like I can climb this way, and I, I'm the kind of the master of my career. I can make smart, strategic decisions, and I think I can make up whatever money I would lose by making smart financial decisions and strategic decisions in my life. If I think that way, why can't LeBron think that way? He's already made way more money than he could ever spend in his life. He's probably going to end up a billionaire from sports. What does he want now from a financial perspective that he doesn't have? Would he not pay $15 million to win two more championships? 
if you just told him right now, I can auction those off to you, wouldn't he make more money off of being a champion than he would off of getting a max contract? I, I just think LeBron is not thinking very strategically here. And I think it's because right now he's kind of marinating an emotion and he's going to go on Instagram and he's going to go on Twitter and he's posting all these things because he wants people to talk about what he's feeling. And I just don't care. I just don't care about LeBron's feelings at all. I don't care about any athlete's feelings, by and large. Just like I don't care about movie stars' feelings. When I go watch a movie, I'm not thinking, I wonder how Robert Downey Jr. is feeling today. I just don't care. I want him to entertain me doing what he does best, which is be an actor. Just like I don't care about how an athlete feels. I want the athlete to go out and entertain me in the game. I hope they're happy. I hope they have good wives. I hope they have great wives. I hope their kids are nice. I hope all those things are true for everybody, but I don't care. Why should I? I don't know him. He's not like some personal friend. I just want him to be entertaining in his profession, just like I want an actor to be entertaining, just like I want a musician to be entertaining. You're an entertainer. Entertain me. And maybe you can say, well, LeBron James emoting and all the emotion, it entertains. It doesn't really entertain me. LeBron James entertains me when he plays basketball well. His Instagram posts don't really entertain me. Maybe that's just me. Am I crazy? I want your feedback. 877-6369. We'll come back to you and get some of your reactions to this concept. In the meantime, it is now six days until Valentine's Day. Next Wednesday, I believe, is Valentine's Day. And if you aren't taking care of your Valentine's Day obligations, guess what? You are in trouble. Because I'm telling you, You want to make the biggest and the best impression to your wife or girlfriend on Valentine's Day. And there's no better way to do it than with the Valentine's Day bouquet from Pro Flowers. Every woman loves flowers. Yes, even the women who claim that they don't, they're just saying that. They're not being honest with you. Trust me. You've got plenty of choices with Pro Flowers from the classic red roses, from their extensive rose collection to a wide assortment of other bouquets and plants. It's easy You choose a delivery date, and it's guaranteed. Not only that, the flowers are guaranteed to be delivered fresh and to stay fresh for seven days. We've got red roses on my counter downstairs right now. They are beautiful, and they have been for several days. They came direct from Pro Flowers. I'm going to make the decision even easier for you right now for Valentine's Day. What should you do? You can send a bouquet to your Valentine, and you can save 20% off purchases of $29 or more. That's 20% off. Plus, she's going to be happy. This, guys, is a no-brainer. Hurry and order today. Valentine's Day now just six days away to get 20% off your purchase of $29 or more. Go to proflowers.com today and use my code OUTKICK. Again, OUTKICK, O-U-T-K-I-C-K for the Bama fans out there. Put that in the special codes box at checkout at proflowers.com and you will get you will get 20% off your order of $20 $29 or more again that's the code outkick don't overthink this get it right go to proflowers.com today car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price list price and invoice true car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience This is a confident show, particularly when I've got all my money rolling into Twitter stock. And if you are following me on Twitter, I'm at Clay Travis. I'd encourage you to do so. Twitter just beat earnings announced early this morning. Stock price now up 15% in the pre-market. Daddy making it rain here. 
Uh, let's bring in Eddie Garcia and find out what else is trending in the world of sports. All right, Clay, let's start with the NBA, where the Cavaliers get a buzzer beater from LeBron James in beating the Timberwolves 140-138 in overtime. James also finished with a triple-double, 37 points, 10 rebounds, 15 assists. Rockets over the Heat, 109-101. to Houston's James Harden had 41 points in the win. Spurs crushed the Suns in Phoenix, 129-81. to And the Pistons beat the Nets, 115-106. Detroit's now 4-0 with Blake Griffin in the lineup. College basketball, St. John's goes on the road, beats number one Villanova, 79-75. The Red Storm were 0-11 in Big East play before getting their first conference win against the top-ranked team in the country. Number 14, Ohio State wins at number 3, Purdue, 64-63. Purdue's 19-game winning streak, the longest in the nation, comes to an end. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore, with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And claim more fallout from the Josh McDaniels change of heart as agent Bob Lamonte announced he's no longer representing the Patriots' offensive court. Coordinator. Uh, he is also, by the way, the agent for Colts general manager Chris Ballard. So Lamonte said uh, to the Sports Business Journal, quote, my word is my bond. Once you break that, there is nothing left, end quote. So uh, in effect, he's done with Josh McDaniels after his change of heart and not taking that Colts head coaching job. Yeah, you know, you leave a lot of people out hanging when you make a decision like that and go back on your acceptance verbally. And a lot of agents and a lot of teams and a lot of people in the world of media, certainly, when you say, hey, I'm on, even though you haven't officially signed a contract, they rely on it. So um, that is a uh, that's a difficult situation, I think, probably for an agent to find himself in. We have a good quote, by the way, and I'll take your calls here momentarily. 877-996-6369. You guys were telling me we had good audio from uh, from Chris Ballard responding to the Josh McDaniels uh, decision to walk away from the Colts job. Do we have that right now to play? Yeah, have that ready for you. All right, let's pop that, by the way. We're talking about LeBron. I'll go back to your calls for LeBron, but I do want to play that audio coming out of Eddie's uh, break there and just talking about it. Let's hit that really quickly. After the incident yesterday and after the occurrence yesterday with with Josh backing out, uh, we were disappointed. Unquestionably, we were disappointed and surprised. Obstacles happen. That's what makes this league great. You know, overcoming the hard times, That's what makes football great. That's what the great lesson of football is, that it doesn't always work out or go the way we mapped it out or we planned it, but it's the mentally tough, gritty people that overcome these things that are successful. Let me make this clear. I want and we want as an organization a head coach that wants to be all in. We got work to do. I'm not not once hid that. We have work to do. And I want somebody that's 100% committed to partnering with us and getting that work done. I live in a black and white world, Bob. Either you're in or you're out. I didn't want the explanation. Either you're in or you're out. It's not, it's not a, either you're in or out. 100% in or out. Uh, That is Chris Ballard, GM of the Indianapolis Colts, talking about the fallout from Josh McDaniels deciding to walk away from the Colts job after the Colts had already announced that he was going to be their next head coach. We're talking about the NBA trade deadline now coming up on seven hours. Seven hours left in the NBA trade deadline, seven and a half to be roughly exact. Uh, My suggestion, it's time to get LeBron either on the train or off the train, if you are the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, if you're Dan Gilbert, you need to explore aggressively the idea of trading him. I think that makes the most sense. Dustin in Indiana, what do you think? 
What's going on, CT? Uh, I think I think they need to get rid of him. Uh, honestly, myself, um, he, he's not he's not gonna bring anything back. If uh, after the year, I mean, it's pointless to even keep him around. I think that they're slowly declining there in Cleveland anyway. I say you get rid of him, rebuild, uh, and then on another another thing there on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, don't be surprised if you see Jacoby Brissett being let go as well. Um, just hearing about, I believe, um, Andrew Luck is going to have to have another surgery. More than likely, he's done another season. Uh, he won't see another season to the 2019 season, will be my guess. Um, I would probably take that to the books and bet on that if I was you. And uh, the last thing is, we made a bet about a year and a half ago in regards to the Auburn football coach uh, being let go. Oh, Gus, and you said he would be let go, and I said he would. We bet a steak dinner on it yet to uh, come through on that. I, I don't remember this. Like, Jason Martin, like, is this the guy that I, I – what I said was if Gus Malzahn won seven games or less, he would be fired. And then he won whatever, like nine games. I don't think it was – there was no stipulations on it, though, Clay. I don't remember. Uh, this is like a year. I could I could barely remember what I wore yesterday. I remember having a discussion with it. Thanks for the call. I remember having a discussion with a caller about whether Gus Malzahn was going to be fired or not. Like back, not even this past year, but the year before that. And I think it was right before the LSU Auburn game. And Les Miles got fired when he lost that game because I said that was a loser goes home and loses his job game. And LSU almost threw a touchdown pass at the end of that game. I think that touchdown pass happened with like two seconds left. And so I think that uh, that, that was the bet, that if Auburn went 7-5 and five or worse, that Gus Malzahn would be fired. And I think he would have gotten fired if that touchdown catch had happened for LSU. Instead, he came back. He won the SEC West last this, this year that just finished. And now he makes $7 million a year. But I look, I pay up on bets. I, the last thing I want to do is go have a steak dinner with somebody I don't know, but uh, I'll give you fifty bucks for a steak dinner or whatever. But I don't, I don't think I lost that. Do you remember that, Jason Martin? Like, remember that? Like, Maybe it's been a vaguely, long time ago. I guess I should have written it down. The only thing I remember was the uh, tattoo situation with Michigan and Michigan State that didn't end up actually happening, where the guy was going to come down here. I, yes. I vaguely remember something about Gus Malzahn's job, but I wasn't taking notes on your various bets from phone callers at that point in time, so I can't really speak to the validity of it. I know that Dustin has called every day for the last three days to get why to you su- to make why, that point. Why is he suddenly, con- like, like it's February. I should, If he were still there, I would talk to him, but like I don't understand why like it's suddenly in February he's talking about a year and a half old bet. I don't know. I guess dude just needs a stake. Like I don't, I don't know. That's about as simple as I can put it. Valentine's Day is next week. He needs a steak. Maybe he's trying to save money. That uh, actually, that actually reminds me. Did we ever? Did we ever get an update on Jason Martin's steak? Well, I mean, I'm after having he, a steak on Valentine's next week. I'll go ahead and tell you that you didn't or have one going, in Minneapolis. No, I did not have one in Minneapolis. No, Casey, Casey kind of gave him the that Heisman, but I don't blame him. I mean, he was sick. <sighs> He was yeah, sick. Yeah, that's right. I was six. It okay, wasn't really gotcha. the Heisman. We didn't even I, really talk. I mean, he wasn't really. Yeah, well, that's the Heisman. No, it isn't. I didn't ever reach out to her. It's not like she was dodging phone calls. No. But it was a if, joke. You talked about the fact that you, like, if Brad Pitt had mentioned to her, hey, you know what? Like, maybe we can go out and I can get my first steak with you. She would have been like, hey, let's do that. If, like, yeah, they have a rule. True. I didn't ever They ask have her. a rule at Facebook and Google 
this is interesting because of all the sexual harassment stuff that's happened right now. They have a rule, I was reading this yesterday at Facebook and Google, that if you ask a girl out and she says anything other than yes, you are never allowed to ask her out again. That's actually an amazing rule, right? To avoid harassment issues. Yeah, at that's work. that's crazy because we hear from you know grandparents and older folks about how they had to keep asking and yes, asking. Yes, to, that everybody no loves longer... Raymond was built. Yeah. Everybody loves Raymond was built on the idea that Deborah turned down Ray like seven hundred times oh. before she finally agreed to go out with him. Like Ray Romano would be behind bars right now with harassment <laughs> convictions. Like, no, look, on him. I have made that argument for a long time. If you close your eyes and listen to any wedding toast. Almost always one of the go-to moves for any wedding toast is how hard the guy had to work to get the girl to go out with him. And ultimately, it ends up being a positive story. It's like, oh, they're together now, and they're going to have kids, and it's going to be happy forever, happy ever after. But if you just close your eyes, like they also read like the reports that somebody makes to keep a stalker from showing up, right? This is the challenge with dating in general. If a woman likes you, you can do anything. If a woman doesn't like you, then you are like a psycho. And men who do bad jobs in general, like think about your average guy. And does your average guy do a good job reading social cues and figuring out what's appropriate and inappropriate? And on average, I would say the answer is no. That is why like the difference between a love affair and a marriage that lasts 60 years and somebody getting a restraining order is oftentimes just whether or not the girl likes the guy or not. Right? I mean, like, you, oh, he showed up at her house unannounced with the roses for 10 straight days. Oh, that's so cute. Wow. I can see why she would uh, insist that she had to forgive him. Or he showed up with roses for 10 straight, like, just even the way I say it, you can be like, oh, man, that's creepy. He, showed, he, he stood outside and knocked on her door until she agreed to come to the door and listen to him while he was playing her favorite song on his iPod. Oh, that's so cute. What he was in the rain, he was standing outside, he wouldn't leave. You had to call the cop, yeah. like, right? I John mean, like, Cusack all- can say anything. It all depends on who is standing at your doorstep and how they feel about you as to whether or not what you're doing is either romantic or stalkerish and creepy. But isn't that interesting that Google and Facebook now, I mean, two of the, you know, I would say mo- certainly most powerful companies in the history of the world, their answer for how to handle workplace relationships is. If you and, and maybe they don't specify guy because maybe the girl occasionally asks a guy out, but I still think like would you say ninety percent of the time when a couple decides to go out on a date, it's the guy who's asking the girl. I think that's probably fair to say. I don't think that's like insanely sexist of me to suggest that men, by and large, are still asking women out. Or by by the way, that men are mostly paying for dinner and movies and like all those things. Like that still happens. So it's always like. Oh, the woman's like, oh, I'm a huge feminist. I'm like, oh, really? Do you split half the cost of every meal that you've ever been on with a man? No, no, no. He pays for that. Oh, okay. Did he pay for the last vacation that you went on to? Oh, yeah, he paid for that. So basically, you're a feminist when it benefits you, but then you also want all the benefits that come from a patriarchal society when it benefits you too. Like, I don't think there are very many men who are going to get great gifts on Valentine's Day. I don't think there's very many dudes who are going to walk outside and be like, this is awesome. My girlfriend got me a keg and a brand new Xbox, and I just get to drink and play beer all day. This is awesome. How many women do you think are paying for Valentine's dinner as a percentage out there? Five? How many couples maybe do you 10, think? Maybe 10, max. 10, maybe 10. How many couples do you think are evenly splitting Valentine's Day dinner? 
I want you. That would be a great test for all the guys out there listening to us right now who were not married, who were out on dates. When the bill comes on Valentine's Day, if you just turn to your date and you're like, "Hey, we're going halves," right? What do you think the reaction is going to be from your Valentine's Day date? Even if she's the hardest core died in the wolf feminist imaginable, she's going to be furious and she's going to go tell all her girlfriends. He took me out to a really fancy restaurant and then the bill came and he was like, okay, you got half, right? He ordered a bottle of wine. He got a lot of drinks and then he made me pay for half. I mean, I get this would be a great sociological experiment. I wish that every girl out there who gets identifies as this hardcore feminist and she's out on social media with all her Me Too tweets, I want you, if a guy's willing to pull it off, if you are willing to do it, I want you to call in the day after Thanksgiving on this show and tell us what happened. I want you, the minute that that bill comes on a Thanksgiving dinner, I want you to turn to your date and be like, all right, I got half, you got the other half, where's your credit card? And see what her reaction is. Be like, hey, I I thought the sexes are equal. I thought that, you know, me too, right? Like, do, do I not matter? Like, we're going to be even here. I thought we want to treat each other exactly evenly. From now on, you pay for half of everything. I would love for you to try that on the on the feminine. I bet she's like, well, no, no. I mean, you took me out to dinner. No, no. We, we went out to dinner together. This is a 50-50 relationship. You pay for half, I pay for half. Wait, wait, Clay, you meant Valentine's Day, what right? What did I say? Thanksgiving. Oh, thanks. That would be I never funnier. scored on Thanksgiving <laughs> that would be, before. That would be even funnier. I want half the turkey cost, too. <laughs> you better pay for those damn mashed potatoes that you're putting on your plate. No, I mean I mean Valentine's Day. Thanksgiving. You want to pull it on Valentine's I mean, on Thanksgiving. That's an even better phone call. Uh, 877-996-6369. we got a bunch of people waiting. Uh, we'll continue to talk about LeBron. Hour three, Doug Gottlieb is going to come on and tell us about college basketball. Also, uh, again, I beg you, do that for the OutKick family and come back in and call us the next day. I'm Clay Travis. Me too on Fox Sports Radio. What if you could get up to $1,000? In as little as 48 hours with TaxSlayer. Well, you can. Introducing Refund Now, only from TaxSlayer. E-file your taxes, get up to $1,000 in as little as 48 hours with no upfront fees. Visit TaxSlayer.com for details. Some of the things that you guys complain about, I literally think I can't imagine being this big of a pussy willow. Larry on Twitter just said, You just said Thanksgiving twice! Twice in all caps. I could get that one time, but dude, when in such a rant, can you not even hear yourself speak? I thought you were better than that. If you know exactly what I am talking about, it's early in the morning. As good as I am at this, and I'm really damn good at it, sometimes I say the wrong word. The fact that I haven't had an FCC violation on this show in two years is one a testament to the work that they do on the board in L.A. Two, a testament to the fact that when I misspeak, I don't misspeak that badly. And if you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't be a pussy willow. Like, you took time out of your day to complain that I said Thanksgiving when I meant Valentine's Day. Both of those days are holidays where family and love is central to the entire reason for their existence. That's a relatively easy mistake to make. Here is it on that Fox big Sports of a Radio? deal? God. Here on Fact Sports Radio. God, oh, radio. Golly G. <laughs> Those are nice takeaways there from errors that I have made. But is that is that One worth error. in your life? Is that worth getting on Twitter and complaining about? Is that worth like I don't understand? And simultaneously, we got a sent, we got a complaint from a guy who said there's sometimes a clicking sound that bothers me in the background. Like audio guy is a big effing loser. 
There are so many people out there who complain. Like, I'll do my outkick the show in the afternoon. Somebody will email me, and they'll be like, the audio on your show wasn't as good as it normally is. <laughs> you know, that noise in the back sometimes is you touching your headset. Yeah, yeah. I moved my headset. All right. So, I mean, Drives what do you want me, me to crazy. do? What Look do you want me, me to do? Die? Right now. I'm not happy with you. What do you want me to do? Die because my headset chokes me to death? I mean, well, I, first I, I don't off, know. Larry's, first off, Larry's a loser because he said he thought you were better than that. That's never true about anything that you yes, do in your that's life. that's true. But look, I mean, I got to move my headset. I got to make sure that people can hear me. Like, and what do you want me to do? Choke to death because the mic's too close to my mouth? I mean, like, I guess I could not move it, and then slowly you would just hear me die out on this on the show. Like, I wear a headset, and it's the same headset, by the way, that I had on at the Super Bowl. So it's the same headset that I wear everywhere. So I don't know exactly what the goal is here. Uh, I guess he just wants me to die. But audio guy is maybe the biggest loser out there. Of everybody that could complain, audio guy, like, the audio quality on your show, well, it was better beforehand, and now it's not as good, and I don't know what you did. Like, audio guy. Is that what he sounds like? Is that what audio guy sounds like? Audio guy is, like, he, like, audio guy masturbates. Audio guy masturbates, like, wearing headsets. I don't have any doubt at all. Like, he's got, like, big bows. He's got, like, big headset bows on, like, Leaned over his, uh, his, like, you know, like his new brand new computer, like just going to town on his body, treating it like an amusement park. Like, that is a weird thing to complain about. <laughs> because here's the deal if you can hear my words, then you shouldn't complain about the audio. Because what you should be focused on is not the quality of the freaking audio. I'm not like a mix master here. Exactly. I talk. It's not like we're on an audio platform. <laughs> if you can hear the words, then the audio is fine. I'm an either-or guy. If you can't hear the words, then the audio's not good. If you can hear the words, then deal with it. That's on you that you want like some, like, and it's it's always the podcast guy. Podcast guy, and by the way, I don't know, does anything ever change on our audio? Our audio is almost always the exact same. So podcast guy will be like, hey, uh, you know, like, why in the world is, is uh, you know, your audio different today than it was just Like, I don't know. I don't do anything different. I sit here and I talk into the mic and then it goes up on the podcast, and podcast guys like, I mean, I can't tell you that over the last 10 years of podcast existing, or whatever the hell it is, that every now and then there's an audio guy. And it's like 4% of the population is audio guy. Like, the audio wasn't as good as it should have been. Here's what I should say to audio guy. Go F yourself. Put your headset on. Go entertain yourself. Treat your body like an amusement park in your silent masturbation chambers. Um, all right, coming back. Jason Martin's got a ridiculous story. I want you all to split your thank- your Valentine's Day, your Thanksgiving and your Valentine's Day dinners. I want you to do it for both Thanksgiving and November, but in particular for Valentine's next week. When the check comes, even if you don't actually do it, I want you to play a prank on your girlfriend. I want you to pretend that you expect her to pay for half, especially if she is a hardcore feminist. I want you to play it that she has to pay for half and see what the reaction is. I'm Clay Travis. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Signing day, college football. We talked a lot about it. Hour one ran through why I think Kirby Smart is potentially poised to overtake Nick Saban's dynasty in the Southeastern Conference. Encourage you to go download the podcast. You can also go read about my analysis of the 12 teams that can win a college football national championship now that we know who has won the 2018 title. It is now. We started off the show two hours ago saying there were, whatever the math is, and this is always dangerous, I believe we now have 
Seven hours? Seven hours left in NBA trade deadline. We've been discussing whether or not LeBron James should be traded. We have also been discussing uh, the college basketball picture. We'll talk with Doug Gottlieb, my guy, uh, obviously, that many of you will hear later in the show. I've also been teeing off on Audio Guy. There are several different guys that I hate. Several different guys that I hate who I regularly interact with on uh, in my business. One guy that I hate is trade, no trade clause guy. No trade clause guy is obsessed with telling you anytime a player has a no trade clause. It doesn't take four seconds of any discussion for them to be like, well, so-and-so has a no trade clause. Yeah, we know. We know that so-and-so has a no trade clause. That's literally just in the contract. And guess what? The no trade clause can be waived. And it doesn't mean like you wave like your arm, like, hey, how are you doing? It means that you wave it, as in W-A-I-V-E. It can be waived, and so it really doesn't matter that much. It just means the player has to agree to the team. All right? Another guy I hate, after taxes guy. I can't tell you the number of times that I hear from after taxes guy. It's always when you're giving a hypothetical and you're like, hey, would you like, uh, would you jump off this building right now for $20 million? And a guy's like, well, is that $20 million before or after taxes? Hey, H&R Block, shut up. Nobody cares about like, so you're willing to do it? Before, if you don't have to pay taxes on it, like there's always that guy, I guarantee you're sitting around the bar, you're debating anything. There's always before or after taxes guys. Like, would you do X for a billion dollars? Well, is it a billion dollars before or after taxes? So wait a minute. You would do it for a billion dollars, but you wouldn't do it for $650 million? Like, don't be after taxes guy. Everybody hates after taxes guy. And I hate audio guy. I hate audio guy who's like, hey, the audio, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, the audio quality on your podcast from Wednesday wasn't as good as the audio quality on Thursday. Like, if you want audio quality, just go listen to Beethoven. Put on your Bose headset, pull out your penis, and furiously masturbate to Beethoven's or Mozart's Moonlight Sonata. All right? This is not in the business of being perfect audio every day. And also, as one of you just reached out on Twitter and said, and this is pretty fast, this is perfect, audio guy is also the guy, uh, this is Attila, uh uh-oh, Attila Bear on Twitter. Audio guy is the same guy that calls the show on his awful cell phone with poor reception from the Ozarks. That's true. Like, audio guy is probably the same guy who calls from his cell phone that nobody can hear him on to try to call into the show. Audio is an either-or business. It's like you're either pregnant or you're not, right? There's no in-between. You're either pregnant or you're not. You can either hear me or you can't. Nothing else do I care about from the audio business. If you are obsessed with audio, then go buy the most fine audio uh, earphones imaginable and just sit with your pants off and listen to Mozart's Moonlight Sonata. I don't know if Mozart did Moonlight Sonata. No, he did not. All the time. That's twice. Beethoven. Beethoven did Moonlight Sonata. What did Mozart do? Other things. You only know him. Nobody yeah, knows. Geez, Clay, how did you not know that? The minuet at midnight is that Mozart? Yeah, he did. He was all for his minuets. He had a minuet in F, C, D, all sorts of stuff. G major, I think, might have been his most famous minuet in D major. I Man, I just when I hear minuet in D major, it's just like the pants come right off. You want to make sure that you score on Valentine's Day. You put on that Mozart in D major. It's a panty dropper. 
I mean, it's like there's not a woman alive that keeps her panties up when Mozart and D Major comes on. Clay, how could you exercise? You got to exercise the demons. Yeah, yeah. Clay, how could you possibly have a sports talk radio show and not know that Moonlight Sonata is Beethoven and not Mozart? That somebody that's a hundred percent what's going to happen. Somebody's going to be like, I listen to you all the time, and I thought you were a Mozart and a Beethoven expert. That's audio guy. Audio guy's just obsessed. He's sitting around right now in his five billion dollar headset. He's like, this this audio quality is insufficient. I'm not sure which of those guys I hate the most. The no trade clause guy, the after taxes guy, or audio guy. I think I hate audio guy the most. Because the audio guy always thinks like he's being incredibly helpful. As if like I'm some audio expert. Like I'm just walking around like and, and it happens all the time on the podcast. The podcast, by the way, in the afternoon is me talking on Periscope and Facebook. And what I have found is that like 99% of people care whether or not they can, it's like an either-or business. And then there's like a tiny little percentage of people out there that are just crazy audiophiles, and they're just like, oh, I've got to have, like the audio has to be so, like if you choose what you listen to, not based on what the person is saying, but based on how well you can hear it, you are such a loser, I would encourage you to go listen to ESPN right now. Although their audio quality probably won't be up to your standards either. What you just, the- yeah, you just need to get a life. Um, all right, so uh, we have a uh, a couple of uh, a couple of questions. Um, what um, what will happen? I'm telling you right now. I want it to happen. I want it to happen on the uh, the situation for Valentine's Day. Maybe also for Thanksgiving, but Valentine's Day is sooner. I want you to be able to do this. If you are dating a feminist, especially if you are dating a feminist who's all out there in the Me Too movement, and she's walking around in her vagina hat and everything else talking about how the world is unfair to women. When the bill comes on Valentine's Day, I want you to say, we're going halves, right? Let me get your card. I'm going to put it at half of it. And do whatever you need to do. Order all the bottles of wine. Order all the drinks. At no point will she stop you from ordering whatever you are going to order. Oh, you know what? It's Valentine's Day. We should celebrate. Let's get a bottle of wine. She'll be like, oh, wow, this is great. Hey, you know what? It's Valentine's Day. Let's splurge. Let's get dessert. You know what you need to do? You need to get an appetizer as well. You know what you need to do? It's Valentine's Day. You need to get the best steak on the menu. We need to make sure we get dessert. Best wine you got. Let's get a couple of liquor drinks too. I want you to do all of that. And then when the bill comes, I want you to try to pull off the fake. All right, And if she gets upset with you, you can tell her, you know that guy, Clay Travis, that you don't like, that I listen to every morning, the guy you think is racist, sexist, awful human being? He told me to do this as an experiment to see how you would react when we actually try to do complete and total even treatment of the, uh, of the bill. And I guarantee you that she is going to want you to pay for the entire Valentine's Day meal. You know Why? Because women today, I don't have a problem with feminists. I think women should be able to do whatever they want. But I don't, what I don't appreciate is when these hardcore feminists also want all of the benefits of a male-dominated society when it is convenient for them. Oh, you want me to pay for all of everything on Valentine's Day. Oh, you want me to pay for all of our dates. Oh, you want me to pay for Uber. Oh, you want me to pay for the lift? Oh, you want me to pay for the cab? So I pay for everything, and you just get to be you. And that's not fair, because we're feminists and equal pay and everything. 
How do you think that's going to play out? Not well. Because women these days want all the benefits of equality and also all the benefits of inequality. Just try it with me on Valentine's Day. Tell me it's not going to be exactly what I said where she's like, what do, you, what do you mean you want me to pay half this meal? We had a lot of wine. Do you know how much this meal cost? Yeah, I do know how much it costs because I'm paying for two people. I'll tell you this. Every time I'm on the road and I go out to dinner solo, I look at the bill and I'm like, damn, this seems so cheap. I had a great meal. I got all of these spectacular things and it didn't cost me hardly anything. Because now I got three kids and I got a wife and I'm paying for five people. When I look at the bill, I'm always like, oh, no wonder I work so much. You go out and you just pay for yourself. Oh, it's a spectacular feeling. Like, man, I'm saving so much money. So much money. Jason Martin, how do you think that would go? You're in the dating business. How do you think it would go if you just on Valentine's Day insisted that whoever you're with pay for half? I mean, I guess it depends on who you're with. I've had both experiences. One as of late that I think would on have appreciated Day? and one that would not. Well, see, I don't know about that. That's not something I would be comfortable doing. I, I always assume that I'm paying when I go Why? out on a date. I Well, I guess just sex, because I've... Sexist of you. I know, you don't value I guess, women. I, you don't value women. You don't treat them equally if you're paying for everything when you go out on dates. Maybe that's why I'm not married yet. Because maybe I haven't so. figured that out yet. I'm still trying to be chivalrous and... And all of those all things. All right, hold on for you, but let me go to the other guys who are single. How do you think that would react on Valentine's Day if you told the girl that you were with that she had to pay for half? <laughs> Not well. It, are mean, you even willing to do the experiment, or are you so afraid that she would get angry at you and not sleep with you after Valentine's Day that you're not even willing to risk it? No, I think it would be funny. You now, think she would get over it? Now, my girlfriend, she feels guilty only when she drinks a lot at dinner. So She's like, the one who doesn't like me, right? right yeah she's the smart one yeah yeah Yeah, so you definitely need to do this to her yeah because you know she drinks i really don't so and you know how that goes with a dinner bill the food maybe isn't that much but when you add drink after drink onto the dinner bill it it becomes really bad so that's the only time where really um you know she feels kind of guilty and takes her card out and i'm like no no don't worry about it but but yeah you tell her no well, I mean, she still puts her – sometimes she'll grab the check and fight for it, and I'm not going to fight too hard. But, but yeah, Coop, as the man, you should treat your girl. You guys live together, yeah, and she's ordering a bunch of drinks. Yeah, she pays half the bills where Equal we live. Rights. So. No, I think they're totally even. I think you have to split everything equally. I mean, I, th- I think that that's the only way to be fair in a modern society. Like in a Me Too era – I think women should have to pay for exactly half of everything in the courting relationship. I agree. Like if you're going away on the weekend to a like how many guys are booking hotel rooms for Valentine's Day? Yeah, Coop All says because, he agrees, but he has male roommates right now. Yeah. Have you ever have you I, I, I mean I've been married for a while. I have never gone out with a woman where she picked up the bill. Serious? Never. Never. Now, I mean, I would always just reach for it because I'm a guy, and I think that men should pay. Like, I, I'm a traditionalist here. I think that even though I'm making fun of women here, I think men should pay for everything during the dating process. I, I do. And I think it would be like, I've always said this, too, that um, like on Valentine's Day, also a first date move that I would not make that I've seen other guys make is pay with a gift certificate. 
Like if you pay with, <laughs> yeah, that's if way later with, in the that's relationship. Right, yeah. That's right. No, like, but, I, but, but look, I talked to, I had a buddy once and he was like, <laughs> I'm going out for dinner. My wife, my mom, you know, like for Christmas, she gave, she gave me this, uh, this gift. I was like Morton steakhouse or something. And I was like, wait a minute, you're, you're taking this girl out to Morton's and you're going to pay with a uh, gift certificate. And he was like, yeah, you don't think that you don't, you don't think that's, you think that's weird. I was like, dude, just trust me. Like you need to go pay for with the gift certificate, like not in front of her. Because if you're like, hey, I got a gift certificate, will you check and see how much money's left on left yeah. on this? What are the it's rules like, with my Groupon? Yeah, you're not yeah. you're not at a car wash. <laughs> yeah, you can't pay with a gift certificate on a date. Okay, you just but, can't but do it. my cousin who met his wife on Match.com, he taught me um, a couple years ago when I was date doing internet dating. If a girl does not pull out her wallet for, by the third or fourth date, I'm talking just something simple like Starbucks. Then that that's a red flag right there because if you're dating somebody cool, they're gonna try to pay for something usually small. They're not gonna try to take a whole dinner tab. But if a girl doesn't pull out her wallet to try to help with something, then that that's probably not the girl for you. Yeah, uh, I, I understand that. I would just be like maybe the offer, but she doesn't really mean it. I bet there's a ton of women who have pulled out their wallets and tried to play pay over the years, and they're like, I don't even have the money to pay for this. Yeah, it's a move. Like it's if a straight I actually up move. if I actually am required to pay for this, then I'm in trouble because I don't even have the money in my bank account to pay this, and they're going to re- refuse my debit card. It's a total like it's like when you are early dating and you go out with like your father-in-law, and you're like, hey, let me get this, and then it's not not quite yet your father-in-law, right? Like to me, in the same way, like old people should always pick up bills because they're going to die sooner, so their money is less valuable. <laughs> so like if you if you are out with like old people and they're eating, old people should always have to pay because they're going to die sooner and their money is less valuable. Younger they might, people, they might also have old currency that's worth more. Yeah, right, that's true. No telling what that buffalo nickel might be worth on the bill. I'm t- I, I just think like if you're out with old people, the old people should always pay. Now I'm rich now, so I pay for everything. I'm like the rich uncle who comes into town. I just pay for everything. But I used to be poor, and my assumption is always the oldest person at the table should have to pay. I don't mean the oldest person like if you're out with people who are roughly your own age. I mean the oldest person like if you're out and somebody's parent is there, like they should always pick up the tab. That's my belief. Like if a parent goes out, parents should always pick up the tab. Now, I won't let my parents pick up the tab now. Every now and then my dad insists. This is actually pretty funny. When we drove down to uh, to Atlanta, we were doing the SEC, uh, the game between Alabama and Georgia for the national title. I'm not kidding about this. I was driving my parents' car uh, because my car had an issue with it and it was in the shop, so they just gave me their car to use. And uh, when I got into the car, not no kidding about this, my dad was like, here, let me give you some money. I'm like, Dad, I don't, I don't need money. And he's like, no, seriously, you need to take money from me. Because my, my dad is always like trying to give me money, right? Like cash. The only person who gives me cash is my dad. Um, otherwise, like I never have cash except for babysitters. So my dad's like, no, no, just take money. I'm like, dad, I don't need your money. Like, you know, I'm, I'm good. I've got plenty of money. He's like, just take it. And like, so I take it and he's given me $68 in cash. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm going to do with the $68 in cash. I think I still have it in my wallet because I pay for everything. Me on my credit card. No, you don't deserve it. I pay for it on my credit card, but my dad, I bet there's a lot of parent people out there who have parents too. doesn't matter how much money you've made. If you're leaving in their presence, they just try to give you cash. And it's not even that much cash. It's like my dad gave me $68 for the drive to Atlanta. I don't know what I'm going to do with that $68, but he's like, here, just take the money. And I guarantee you when my boys are grown, I'm going to be the same way. Assuming that cash even still exists, I'm just going to be handing them money. Like, I don't know. Anyway, 
Uh, we have uh, we have rolled through a lot here. Do we have any calls that you want to go to, Jason Martin? Oh, let's go to Eli in California. He has what I believe is a very accurate take on you. Eli in California, what's up? Yeah, how's it going, Clay? No, I mean, I just want to touch the subject in regards to how you're, you're, you're getting a little upset about how you made the mistake on Thanksgiving and Valentine's. Well, the fact of the matter is that, you know, you're such an arrogant person or arrogant bastard, how people say, and, you know, you have a Mr. I'm perfect personality. When you make a mistake, dude, people are going to rip you apart, bro. I mean, you need to understand at least that much, right? No, but see, a mistake is like, hold on, a a mistake Uh, versus, there's a difference between a mistake where I'm like, hey, you know, Michael Jordan lost with the Chicago Bulls in 1998 to the Utah Jazz in that series, and the Jazz won the championship. Now, that would be an egregious (laughs) mistake for somebody somebody who does what I do, but that would be a mistake because it would be an opinion that I had based in a fact that was wrong. That's a mistake. A misspeaking when everybody out there knows that I mean Valentine's Day and I say Thanksgiving Day, that's not really a mistake. That's like like an errant in speech. That's different, right? Like I'm fine with facts being corrected if they're wrong and and I'm actually errant. But when everybody knows what you're saying, and then you get interrupted, and they're like, "Hey, you mean that you mean Valentine's Day?" Just because I have so much love in my heart for everybody on Valentine's and Thanksgiving, because my heart is swelling up with 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 good deeds and good tidings, doesn't mean that that's the same thing. I understand that because yeah, I'm so good at things, I'm so great at things that people enjoy when I fell up. Yeah, go, go ahead, Eli. One more, one more thing. Sorry. Uh, next time you go on vacation. Can you please not put on Mr. Uh, I'm going to call them Jason Shorts. They're horrible, man. They're horrible. Oh. Try to find wow, he just people, dragged man. us wow. into this. I would not have put you up if I knew you were going to wow. do that. Your opinion wow. is completely Eli. invalid. Hey, Sorry, thank you. Jason was Eli clapping his call. The top <laughs> man. This just went you totally said wrong for me. You thought that I was going to get lit up, which is why you saved that guy, and you're like, he's going to nail you. And then he just like, brought out the chair and just took you out and Jeff Schwartz. Like, both. You guys are awful, <laughs> oh and you shouldn't goodness. be able to guest host. Man, that was that, that really was a, went south for me really fast. Oh, you. The conversation coming out of Eli's call was going to be about how much I sucked, and instead it just went right at right at the <laughs> essence of you, man. By the way, you're guest hosting what February yeah, uh, nineteenth the through the twenty fourth. Yes, I'm going. Yeah, there you go. Price is right, sad sound. I'm going. Uh, I'm taking. My, by the way, Price is right, sad song. I'm going on vacation, which is not really a vacation. It's just a trip that I'm taking with my family. There's a difference between vacations and trips that you take with your family, as every dad knows. I'm taking a trip with my family on a cruise ship, the Disney cruise ship, the Star Wars Disney cruise ship. Uh, so the boys are going to be uh, having an ecstatic time. And basically, I'm going to spend the whole time on the ship. I'm just going to put on my headphones pull my pants off and listen to uh, Beethoven and Mozart. It's going to be so beautiful, the audio quality. It's going to be incredible. I think we're going to talk with Doug Gottlieb next, although he hasn't texted me. It's possible that he's still sleeping. So I'll also give out the phone number, 877-996-6369. Did I do the ads for this segment? Are we in good shape? I believe we're good, yeah. All right. Why is your voice cracking so much more lately? It's a big moment for you, puberty? No, it's not cracking. I'm just dealing with allergies. You have that problem. You were coughing like a fiend yesterday. Just dropped completely off the show. My voice your, your voice just, just cracked right there right while now. you're trying to ridicule me. This is a bad day for you. 
you are thinking like I'm going to score so many points on Clay, and instead you're just getting dunked on yourself, Eli, just off the top rope. I can't believe what Eli just did to me, honestly. Like I'm th- that came from nowhere. Jeff Schwartz, by the way, just tweeted out something I can't say on the air about Eli. <laughs> I Jeff, concur. I love that Jeff is listening, and he happened like he's having a good day. Like I always think about that. Like um, every now and then. I'll go on, uh, so I'm a Tennessee fan, right? So I'll go on the Tennessee message board, and I'll just be checking to see, like, what's the latest news? Is there a recruit coming, like, visit or whatever? Um, and, uh, and I'll just be scrolling through, and somebody will be like, Clay Travis sucks. I hope he dies. Like, that's the, head of the headline on the thread. And I'll be like, hey, I'm just coming on here trying to find out whether or not my team's going to get a good recruit or not. And by the way, a lot of times it's also positive. But, um, but you know, you just see your, your name and you're not expecting to see it. And that has to be what Jeff's thinking. Like, he's just starting off his day, driving around in his car, having a nice day. He's laughing about, you know, audio guys, having a good time. Uh, and then the guy calls in. He's like, yeah. That is like that is how Clay is. That Eli's right, man. He's just killing Clay. He's right, and then right at the end, Eli just slides in. And by the way, Jason Martin and Jeff Short suck and should never be able to guest host. And he's just like, "Wow, what happened?" See, what happened was, uh, all right, uh, we're now uh, six and a half hours left, I think, until the NBA trade deadline is officially here. What's going to happen? We'll talk about that. We'll probably also talk with Gottlieb if he's awake. I'm not sure that he's awake, so we'll see. We're going to call him and see if he's awake. Um, And we'll talk about college basketball, all that and more. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Uh, Jeff Schwartz weighing in on Twitter. Um, he will be guest hosting with Jason Martin in a couple of weeks, and obviously he comes on every single Wednesday. He just uh, had Eli from California come off the top rope on he and J-Mart when they're hosting. And I was pointing out how he's probably just driving around in his car, like enjoying the show, and the next thing you know, he's getting attacked. He said, that's exactly how it went. Drop my kids off at school. Got back into my truck, and I didn't even hear the start of the call. <laughs> Just the last two lines where people ripped him, where Eli in California uh, took a shot at him. Um, all right, uh, let's go to uh, Danny. Uh, sorry, let's go to Eddie G. Eddie G. I don't know what the hell is going on with this show, but I, I, I most important thing, how's my Eddie audio quality, Eddie? Can you hear me well? Uh, yes, I can. I can right, hear you good. very well. Loud and clear. Most important thing, just make sure the audio quality is good. Uh, that's that's what I understand, yeah. Yes. Uh, let's start with uh, the NBA last night, and LeBron James hits a buzzer beater, giving the Cavaliers a much-needed win over the Timberwolves, 140-138 in overtime. LeBron finished with a triple-double as well, 37 points, 10 rebounds, 15 assists. Rockets over the Heat, 109-101. James Harden, 41 points in the win for Houston. The Spurs crushed the Suns in Phoenix 129-81 and the Pistons beat the Nets 115-106. Detroit's now 4-0 with Blake Griffin in their lineup. College basketball, St. John's was 0-11 in Big East play. They then went on the road and shocked number one Villanova 79-72. St. John's now has back-to-back wins over number four Duke and number one Villanova. Number 14 Ohio State wins at number three Purdue 64-63. Purdue's 19-game winning streak, the longest win streak in the nation comes to an end. In the NFL, the Annapolis Colts, after being spurned by Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, have requested to interview Eagles offensive coordinator Frank Reich and Saints assistant head coach Dan Campbell about their head coaching vacancy. This report's brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a 
more confident car buying experience. And Clay, we had an NFL starting quarterback traded on Wednesday, Russell Wilson, traded by the Texas Rangers to the New York Yankees, the four-time Pro Bowler who's, for some reason, still flirting with baseball, uh, plans to attend spring training with the Yankees. It's a strange story, but good for him. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which is easier. And uh, I'm not the kind of guy who likes to brag. Just not really a look-at-me kind of guy, not trying to draw attention to myself. And uh, right now, Twitter stock. I've been telling you guys to buy Twitter stock for a long time. Just gave out awesome earnings. Stock is up 26% this morning in pre-market trading. Now over $34 a share. Boom. It's going to be a good day in the Travis household. Um, oh, and hold on. Before we go to Doug, we got uh, Brock in Muncie, Indiana. I don't know what he's doing for America, but I think this is a little bit scary. But Brock, your five-year-old daughter wants to come on and say hi. She listens every morning. We do, uh, Clay. I'm uh, I'm on the way taking my five-year-old daughter and my two-year-old son to school, and every morning she asks to call you just to tell you hi. So, all right, can you Emma, put her on? What's her, what's her name? Hey, her name's Emma. Emma, how are you? Good. Emma, I have a really important question for you. Are you ready? This is really important. Okay, how is the audio quality? Here, let me let me give the phone to her. You're over the car. All right, all right. Hold on. Oh, that's important. What? Yeah, Emma. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how are you? Uh, how's how's your dad? How's he a driver? Is he a good driver? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't ever get mad. He doesn't ever yell or anything. Not really. Who is nicer, your mom or your dad? Oh. Both? Yeah. That's a good answer. Okay, here's the most important question. Well, Emma, who's your favorite sports team? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's good. Keep your the options Pacers? open. The Pacers? Okay, that's a good okay. team. All right, big important question for you, Emma. How is the audio quality? In the morning when you listen to the show, what would you say about the audio quality? Is it good? Good. Good. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Have a good day. Tell your dad uh, to uh, to make sure that he's safe on the road. All right. That's Brock in Muncie, Indiana with his daughter, Emma. Uh, let's bring in uh, Doug Gottlieb. I hope the audio quality is going to be good for Doug. He's up early in the morning driving into somewhere. I'm not sure where he's headed. Uh, Doug, what do you think about, uh, about uh, the audio quality right now? He's filling in for Cowherd this morning, so he's on his way early into, uh, into the L.A. studios out there. Um, it was good. It, it's good. I just I heard you giving away Valentine's advice. And, what do you uh, think about I, that? I didn't hear the initial Valentine's advice. It might be time for a little reset of, of your general premise. Yes, uh, I do like that you can't pay for a gift. The gift card. I, I think it was Jmart who said you can't use a Groupon. He has no Groupon. Groupon would be um, a difficult thing to pull off on a first date. I think you can't <laughs> use a gift card either. Are you aware of the three the, the Gottlieb three rules of babysitting? This is this is more for the married folks. No, no. What are the three rules? This is very important. Um, and um, this, 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 look, there's three rules of babysitting. Okay, The first thing is uh, when I get home, my kids better be asleep. Yes. This is, Amen. This is a rule. Yes. yes. Okay? 
My kids better be asleep. I because, by the way, you. for people out there who don't know, trying to get your kids to go to sleep at night is literally like 99% of the frustration of being a parent. Like, if my wife were on right now, she would say that, I'm not even kidding about this, that 99% of the stress in her life is trying to get all three of our boys to go to bed at night. So this is, honestly, when we go out sometimes, like, because sometimes we go out early because I have to be up early in the morning and, like, we're like an old couple and we'll go eat dinner at, like, 5 o'clock. But there have been many times where we've gotten done with dinner and she's been like, I I don't want to go home yet because the kids are still awake. So she's like, we have to stay out long enough for the kids to go to bed. You know, I am paying you to to do the least – uh, the least enjoyable part of me and my wife, especially my wife's job, which is getting them to sleep. Okay? 100%, yes. Uh, number two, pick something up. I, I, look, I'm not saying that I need a, that I need, you're a maid. Okay? I don't need you to clean the entire house. You don't need to be going Cinderella on me. Right? But, like, look, if you, if you got pizza, the box better be in the trash. Things better be generally picked up. And, by the way, if they're asleep, don't be on your phone FaceTiming your boyfriend and not just picking things up. I don't want you laying on the couch, eating chips, drinking a Big Gulp, okay? Pick something up. And you know what the third, and this is the most, maybe most important, now getting to sleep is important. The third thing is you got to go. I don't need a therapist. I don't yes. need a conversation. Yes. How are the kids? Fine, good. Here's the money. Go home, okay? My, wife is, my wife's got like a, a drink to drink and a half limit. She goes yes. two drinks, she's getting sleepy very quickly. I got a small window. Okay, small window no. time uh, where she before I become an irritant towards her. You got to go home. No it talkie. Is, take the money. Go home. It's so true. Getting the babysitter out of the house. There are so many guys right now that are like, I go out with my wife. I get a couple of drinks in her. She's more likely to make out with me. And then I get home, and the babysitter has to be like. And then your four-year-old was like, I want to watch Wizard of Oz. But your six-year-old was like, Hey, I would rather watch. You know, like it doesn't matter what it is. You're kids there's nothing that they said to you that they haven't said to us before right just leave all right just get out of the house like get out make sure and the other one is i would say it's amazing to me how many times babysitters are like hey what's the best way to leave like hey don't you have on your phone a director you know like some way that you can figure out how to get out i always feel like i'm given directions on how to leave my house i'm like you got here it's the same way that you came except in opposite right like just get get out leave Unless, yeah. yeah, yeah. So now listen. Now, now for for the wives out there, it's really important that you can't have one of these babysitters that the, the husband's got to drive home an excessive distance, right? Like if it's right down the street and I got to walk you home, you know, be chivalrous, protect protect a, a high school girl, like that's cool, okay? But if I got to take you all the way across town, by the time I get back, you're going to be asleep, and this thing's over. It completely defeats the entire purpose, right? I'm taking you out to dinner, so we ha- so you don't have to cook, and we can have a conversation. And then my payback is when we get back home. That this, these are a fair trade-offs. Okay, we all know kind of the deal. You and know what happened? Having to drive you across across town is a is a is that's violating the that's violating the code of ethics. That is a perfect example. Here's the other thing. Like I, I th- we we had a babysitter recently. This is actually pretty funny. I don't know if I told this on the air, but um, my boys are they love babysitters because typically babysitter is what like a young cute girl, right? Because we're not having boys come over to babysit. It's going to be like a young, college-age, cute girl, maybe a high school girl, whatever. And so they're excited to see what's going to happen when the babysitter comes. I swear to God this happened. My first grader, we had a babysitter knock on the door. They all rush over to see who the babysitter's going to be. And by the way, they have favorites. We have like a babysitting service, but a lot of times it's the same girls rotating through. 
I swear to God, open the door, and it's a fat chick. And my oldest, my mid middle middle son, just is like so crushed that it wasn't a good-looking babysitter that he went upstairs and he started crying in his room. I swear to God no. this happened. I swear to God this happened. Because he has a couple of favorite babysitters, and they're actually he's gorgeous. Like they're, they're gorgeous. Fat, fat babysitter, fat fat babysitter the, comes the babysitter. in that he's the never babysitter. had before. He goes upstairs, and he starts crying. And, and my wife like is, goes upstairs and talks to him because she was like, oh, no, what's the matter? She didn't realize what it was. And she comes back downstairs, and she's like, she, like the babysitter's like with the other two kids, and she's like, hey, you need to go talk to him because he's upstairs crying because he got a fat babysitter and because she's not good looking. And she's like, you need to teach him you know, important lessons here about this. And I was like, I swear to God, I said, I don't blame him. I want to cry too. I wanted the hot babysitter too. <laughs> Come on, so, man. Fat Amy, so, makes, Fat Amy makes the movie in perfect pitch, so yeah. you know, that's that you got to teach it. Yeah, I mean, so anyway, that was incredible. By the way, we got to go to a break here, but we're going to bring Doug back to actually talk about college uh, uh, college basketball and tell us who we should be paying attention to and uh, and more. And also, he's hosting the Herd, so we'll find out about that. Uh, but in the meantime, lesson as always, don't get the fat babysitter. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Plus, car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb hopping on. He's going to be on the herd later sitting in for Colin Cowherd. And he gave out great babysitting advice, which is universally being uh, praised on Twitter uh, so far. You can find Gottlieb at Gottlieb Show on Twitter. And um, Doug, you also are going to come on and tell us about college basketball. I confess that I'm season guy. Like, I pay attention to the scores, but I don't really start to watch college basketball aggressively until it gets after the Super Bowl into February and into March. I know the teams that are good, but I haven't watched them play much. For a lot of people who, for those people who are like me, what would you yeah. say we need to be paying attention to now as we come down the stretch of the college basketball season? I mean, Duke, North Carolina tonight, but I mean, yep. here's this is kind of this is where we are in college basketball. North Carolina's best players are former walk-on. Duke has five guys, right, and 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 four of their starters are freshmen, and and have, they have no bench. Um, like, look, this is a tough year for the sport. Kentucky, you know, Kentucky by Kentucky standards stinks. Duke by their own standards is talented, but but very very slim in terms of how many players they have. You know, UCLA super super young with you know with like two exceptions, and they don't have a lot of depth because you know they had three players off the team at the start of the year. Uh, Indiana's in a kind of rebuilding year. The Big Ten is 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 really down. Um, you go around, you know, Kansas has five maybe six guys, no NBA first round draft picks. So it's a weird year. It's a year in which all of the all of the, the, the players that have left one and done, two and done to the NBA, combined with suspensions of, you know, let's say ten players because the FBI probe, combined with the fact that nobody wants to sit on the bench so they all transfer right away. And, you know, I mean honestly, I I think Villanova's the best team, but they just got beat at home last night by St. John's, who was previously 0-11 in Big East play. So uh, it, is, it is chaotic, um, and it, it is, uh, it's a year in which I think you, you won't see Blue Bloods late in the tournament, and I think it's a year in which um, I, I kind of think college basketball is going to reap what it, what it sows. All, all the, 
everyone allowing, you know, college basketball, allowing everybody to move around and allowing players to go to the NBA draft. And you kind of have a little bit of college baseball where I'm not sure people are going to care as much about the names of the team as much as they are the bracket. Yeah, so that becomes the big question. Is it good to have sort of like the chaos theory rolling into the NCAA tournament where anything can happen? Or really, do people claim that they like that, but really what they want is the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Kansases, the Blue Blood programs to be there when it comes to the Elite Eight and the Final Four? The numbers bear out that everybody wants the big name teams. You know, that they now like like the highest rated national championship game, you know, recently was Butler, which of course was a Cinderella, but Butler taking on Duke. You have to have Duke in there. So, uh, and remember this year, I believe the Final Four is on, on, uh, on TBS. So right. the numbers are going to be down anyway. And you're not on network television because apparently there are people out there who don't have cable or direct TV. I don't know any of these people. That's they true. don't have cable or direct. Like, I know there's, like, cord cutters, but there are people that just never got cable or never got, like, and, who and, are and you? It is a real deal because, for instance, the college football national title and playoff are all on ESPN now, and if they put it on ABC, they would have probably 10 million more viewers. I mean, it's, it's crazy how many people would watch on ABC that don't watch on ESPN. I don't know if that's just a function of old people. I think there's a certain number of old people that just don't get outside of like ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. Like they're just old and they stay on kind of the traditional network shows and they never really bought into cable. I think they have it but they don't really know how to get to that channel. It's like the number of people back in the day when you got HD, like my parents thought they had HD television for like three years and they didn't. (laughs) And it, and it was like, Oh, this is a nice television. It seems like the picture's better. But then my wife comes over and she's like, no, no, you don't have HD. And she plugs it in and they're like, Oh, that's different. You know, like, but, but there's all those people. I can one up you. I can one up you here real quick. Okay. My first big fight as a married couple, um, I got back from playing in Russia and we, we got an apartment in Stillwater where we went to school where we met at Oklahoma State so I could train and get ready to go back overseas. And I was going to work out, and I was filling in on radio. That's how I kind of made ends meet you know, during the summer. And I told my wife, like, hey, can you get the cable turned on? Sure. She's like, what do you want? I go, I don't know, just get the basic package, whatever, right? So I come home, and I'm trying to watch something on TV. I flip around, and there's no ESPN. And I literally at the time was like, "How? what are you doing? How can you get ba- – this is the most basic of basic cable that you can't get ESPN. That's not basic cable. I didn't even crying. know they offered that package. She's so mad at me. She's like, you told me to get the basic cable. I'm like, well, it had to, it had to include ESPN. Come on, man. Like, who'd you marry? What are you doing? Anyway. Uh, all right. So what you need to look for, look, you have to have age to win. You got to have shooting to win. And you got a little bit of depth. I mean, but you got you got to have age. Uh, the, the teams with remember you got eighteen, nineteen year olds competing against twenty three year olds at times. So that's why you know transfers win. Uh, the Big East is an older league, um, and you know you got you know Jalen Brunson and Mikhail Bridges. They didn't shoot the ball well last night, but uh, I I think they'll be fine once they get the NCAA tournament. Kill it on the herd. We're coming up against the hard out here. That's Doug Gottlieb at Gottlieb Show on Twitter. Listen to him on the herd sitting in for Colin today. And also, obviously, he's on the afternoon show here on Fox Sports Radio. Follow his babysitting advice and pick up the tab on Valentine's. I'm Clay Travis. 
Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.